If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome to Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. You will have noticed the presence of our worship leader, Brooklyn Rutledge. Brooklyn is a fourth grader at Deer Creek 4th and 5th, and we are delighted you are leading us this morning, Brooklyn. Will you pray with me? Holy One, you've probably seen it because it's the size of Texas, but I want you to know about Trash Island. It's a giant island of trash floating in the middle of the ocean between Hawaii and California. It's a monster to our society, and it's endangering our sea creatures every day. It makes me sad and mad. I imagine it makes you sad and mad too. I love nature, it inspires me, but why haven't we done anything about it? Some of us don't care enough. Some of us don't have enough hope that we can fix it. Holy One, give us hearts to care and courage to hope. The sea turtles need us, and we need them. We promise to try our hardest to fix this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child, for you shall go to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then, then the Lord put out his hands and touched my mouth. The Lord said to me, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Amen. 
So this Sunday's lectionary reading introduces us to Jeremiah, who is one of the major prophets. In Sunday school, we've talked about who a prophet is and what they do. We learned a prophet is someone who speaks to the community in God's name in order to fight injustice and oppression. A prophet reminds the community that God wants them to love and respect one another. A prophet also works to make change happen through action. We also know that a prophet challenges the status quo and can make people uncomfortable. Jeremiah does all these things and more. We don't know that this is what the future holds for Jeremiah, though. Today's reading is known as that call and commissioning of Jeremiah. If we back up a few verses, we learn a little more about him. And these verses are standard introductions for a prophet. The first few verses introduce us to the prophet, his background, because we only have the extended stories of male prophets in the Bible, and let us know when-ish these prophecies are taking place and how bad things are and were for their community. So following that pattern, the book of Jeremiah begins. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of King Josiah, son of Ammon of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. It also came in the days of King Jehoiakim, son of Josiah of Judah, and until the end of the 11th year of King Zedekiah, son of Josiah of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. So that was a lot of information, name-dropping, and Judean history in just a few verses. So in case you aren't the most up-to-date on your ancient history, spoiler alert, things are bad, things have been bad, and things will continue to be bad for Jeremiah's community. So to summarize, Jeremiah lived during a time when both Assyria and Babylon were wanting control of the fertile land of Judah. Assyria conquered Judah at first, which meant Judah fell into decline and almost collapsed. The people of Judah obviously didn't like being controlled and rebelled against Assyria. Assyria inflicted some harsh punitive measures on the community. Then further rebellions and Assyria's response almost decimated the community even more. Next, Babylon showed up and made a move to conquer Judah. And in 587 BCE, the Babylonian Empire destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and the time known as the Babylonian exile began. So witnessing all this happen was Jeremiah. He spoke to the community, on the people of Judah, on behalf of God and brought words of comfort, challenge, and hope. Bible scholar Ronald Clements notes that prophecy is the divine word of hope and explanation which is the antidote to human despair. And there was a lot to despair about for Jeremiah and his community. But the words Jeremiah spoke brought hope and reminded people that things weren't always going to be like that. So then after that introduction to Jeremiah, we overhear Jeremiah's first conversation with God. And we hear God's words before we hear from Jeremiah. God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. In Hebrew, the, word, the verb that is translated as know 
means a very, very close knowledge of someone. God and Jeremiah aren't merely acquaintances. Scholar Robert Atler translates this verse as saying, before I fashioned you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of the womb, I consecrated you. A prophet to the nations, I made you. God's role is not distant in Jeremiah's life. Everything is intentional, and Jeremiah has been specifically chosen. Then we hear from Jeremiah, ah, Lord God. The Hebrew word aha or ah gets translated as ah or alas. This, the concordance also defines this word and its usage as a primitive word expressing pain exclamatorily. So Jeremiah isn't exactly flattered or excited here. Most of the other uses of this word also follow up with God's name. This phrase happens in those moments of surprise, disbelief, stress, and or pain. So it's almost like Jeremiah's response to God's call is that Jeremiah stubbed his toe and is yelling some choice words. In other words, he's not exactly eager. Those choice words are then quickly followed up with Jeremiah's excuse. I do not know how to speak, for I am but a lad. A prophet protesting their call from God isn't unique to Jeremiah. Moses protests. Isaiah protests. They both also say, I can't speak. Jonah protests, runs away, and gets on a boat headed in the completely opposite direction from Nineveh, where God is sending him. Those prophet protests, though, are somewhat understandable if we think about it. As scholar Patrick Miller notes, any sensible person might well resist, both for fear of being unable to fulfill the calling and for fear of the consequences. This is a big ask by God. And Jeremiah doesn't feel prepared. He thinks he's too young, too inexperienced, and too unprepared for the work to which God is calling him. God's response, though, shuts down Jeremiah using that excuse. Do not say, I am but a lad. God isn't having it. I imagine a divine eye roll that comes close to rivaling a teenager's eye roll here. I also picture God saying, again, these humans will have to get up a lot earlier than to think I will fall for that one. Didn't work with Isaiah, didn't work with Moses, or now. How many times do I have to tell these humans, I am with you. You just follow my directions, go where I send you, say what I will tell you to say, everything will be okay. All right, all right, all right. Yes, my messages won't exactly be well-received and you won't be super popular, but you are working with me to create a world as it should be. So God doesn't say all these things exactly, but God does, what God does say reminds Jeremiah that he isn't alone. God lists all the ways that God is in charge, not Jeremiah. All Jeremiah has to do is go where God tells him, repeat God's messages, and not be afraid because God is with Jeremiah. No sweat, right? Easy peasy. Then Jeremiah also gets some physical reassurance from God. Then the Lord put out the Lord's hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, now I have put my words into your mouth. 
See, today I appoint you over the nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So a prophet's work is not exclusively one thing. Alter translates Jeremiah's role as one where he will uproot, smash, destroy, lay waste, build, and plant. So doing also involves some undoing. And by doing this at work, Jeremiah will speak prophecies of destruction and prophecies of restoration. Remember Judah's history of being oppressed? At various points of the community, at various points, the community needed words and action of destruction and also needed words and actions of restoration. And by pairing those messages from the same source, the community was both challenged and comforted. So in God's response, God didn't leave a lot of wiggle room for Jeremiah to argue back. As Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie noted, in God's response, God said that Jeremiah is enough. Right there in that moment, God knew that Jeremiah in all his Jeremiah-ness was enough for the work of building and planting for the nations. Jeremiah was enough in that early moment of his call and continued to be enough throughout his life. You are enough. We are enough. We are not too young, too old, too cynical, too optimistic, too busy, too boring, too unqualified, too overqualified, too fill-in-the-blank, too name an adjective, too list an excuse when it comes to creating a beloved community. We are called to practice an extravagant welcome, give generously to others the grace we have so generously received, and resist by the power of love the forces that separate oppress, or deny freedom and dignity to all people. This is the work of faith formation. This is a journey. We, in all of our us-ness, are on this journey together, both individually and collectively. And this journey happens in informal and in informal and intentional settings, but also happens in those informal and unexpected ways and in those unexpected moments. In the UCC Faith Formation and Education Report, they name faith formation as being all-encompassing of our daily lives and rituals. It is what we do through worship, through mission, working for justice and peace, evangelism and education, so that our faith may be nurtured, enlivened, sustained, and formed. Faith formation doesn't happen in isolation. Our faith formation journeys are connected to each other. When you arrived, I hope you picked up a wristband. For those of you joining online, we have some for you too. And so these wristbands are a reminder of how connected we are to each other and how loved we and everyone is. So this past year, you've loved one another and supported each other's individual and our collective faith formation journeys in a number of ways. During the strange and sacred scripture, we wrestled with some problematic texts and themes together. During community nights, we made bird feeders, played games, ate food, and met new people together. During the yays, nays, and okays that are the stuff of life, we've shown up with each other with a listening ear, a shoulder to cry on, a meal, tissues, balloons, or whatever is needed. 
We've turned to each other in those moments, and we turn to each other in those moments of joy, the moments of sadness, and all the moments in between, together. During the welcome circles this spring, we showed up in person or online to learn about each other and deepen relationships. Several of us have also signed up to do this during the fall iteration. We build community by building relationships together. During the intergenerational Sunday school classes during Lent and over the parables, we've learned alongside different people than we normally do, explored spiritual practices, been surprised, and asked questions together. During the Lenten book study, we've engaged in difficult conversations about race, racism, James Cone's book, The Cross and the Lynching Tree, and the role of white supremacy and the church together. During the arrival of our friends from Afghanistan, we gave and continue to give time, rides to different places, supplies, and love to welcome and help make life in Oklahoma less overwhelming together. During this past year, we've wondered how earth as it is in heaven could be made a reality. We've shown up and continue to show up by, march by writing letters, making phone calls, protesting, marching, and just advocating for change. We continue the relationships and work with Meals on Wheels, 363, WizKids, and Joe's Addiction. We partner with other nonprofits and agencies in the community also doing the work together. During the time of reimagining re music ministries at Mayflower, the intergenerational hand chime ensemble was created. All the decades from the 1940s to the 2010s and ranges of experience showed up to create music together. We've taken risks together to try the new and, un and familiar. We've also learned that some things work, some don't, some need to be adjusted either in the moment or for the next time. So this is the work of faith formation. This is the work to which we are all called, and this is the work we will do together. None of this would have happened if we were or are okay with being too whatever. We are not too anything to do justice and love kindness. We are who we are in all of our usness. Or as Fred Rogers said, you are the only person in the world who is you. Together we will do this, rem we will do this remembering all the while that like your band says, I am loved, you are loved. We are loved. Amen. You have heard the scripture. God has called us, all of us, those who are learning to ride a bike and tie their shoes, those of us whose favorite subject is recess or science or math or social studies, and those who would rather skip school and hang out in the parking lot. God has called all of us those of us who are gamers, long walk takers, gardeners, porch sitters, and meditators. God has called those of us who can't remember where our job ends and our hearts begin. Those who are making grocery lists <clears throat> and playing taxi driver. Those of us who are counting down to retirement and those of us who have slid in headfirst to it. God has called all of us called all of us loved, cherished, enough, and God has called all of us to meet the needs of the world. 
People of God, as we go about our living and breathing and being, may this bracelet serve as a reminder that we are loved and that we are called to love, just like Jeremiah, to pluck up all that does not allow abundant life to flourish, to pull down walls built by unkindness and mistrust. We are called to destroy things that seek to divide us and overthrow systems of oppression. We are called to build a more peaceful and loving world, and to plant trees under which we will never sit. Let us be found good and faithful. Amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.